Bill finally gave the Ringers Philly Crew a podcast. I'm Ben Solak. And I'm Shield Kapadia. That's right. Just a couple of Philly guys with a new space to fire off some Eagles takes, get caught up in the Sixers chaos and more. We'll be coming to you twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays, plus bonus episodes whenever we get breaking news or Philly drama. Join the fun and follow the Ringers Philly special now on Spotify. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Blizzarium, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Bluto! What's going on, man? How you doing today? Well, we kind of got the unofficial kickoff of NBA season as all of the NBA teams assembled for their respective media days, and now... We'll have training camp going on for all these teams and straight into preseason basketball. And then about the middle of October, all the regular season games will get underway. But in all of these different cities, there was media day. There was news that came out of media day. There was a lot of uh, coach speak. There was a lot of player speak, you know, kind of nothing answers. But there was some interesting stuff that was said throughout the NBA that we will get to. I know you were in Philadelphia, which I do think stands out this year because they were a team, like many others at this point in the year, that were mired in controversy this point a year ago. Ben Simmons, is he going to show up for camp? Does he have a cell phone in his pocket? Doc Rivers is kicking him out. Like all that stuff. (laughs) They had come off of the a horrendous Atlanta loss and then the whole Doc and MB. And now we are a year later and you're in Philadelphia for media day. And the story out of Philadelphia, I I can't imagine that you're going to be writing about anything other than the basketball that was being talked about and the basketball that is going to be played, which is... Very far removed from where we were a year ago talking about the Philadelphia 76ers and what their expectations were for the upcoming season. You summed it up, Chris. A year ago, they were probably the most fascinating, weird team. What's going to happen? Who's Ben Simmons going to get traded for? And now it's like, huh, what level is James Harden going to reach? Yep. 
that that's pretty much the main question around <laughs> the Sixers right now. And he joked yesterday saying he lost a hundred pounds. Uh, <laughs> I lost a hundred pounds. Someone texted me yesterday. They, they said, "Was he actually serious?" I'm like, "No, he wasn't serious. <laughs> he was joking around, being totally sarcastic." Uh, yeah, he looked the same, um, but uh, you know, physically he did. But he, you know, he, just because you look the same doesn't mean you're not in better condition. I buy the Harden height. I know I've always been a Harden apologist. You and I have been on different sides of the uh, the political spectrum with James Harden. <laughs> but, uh, but I think this year, Chris, can you and I at least agree on this point right here? There's going to be nights where James Harden just has to be the third best player on the team because you get Joel Embiid, who very well might win his first MVP this coming year after coming so close last year. And then Tyrese Maxey, became nearly a 20-point-per-game guy. He could only get better as well. Can we agree that Harden doesn't have to be the best guy night in, night out for the Sixers to be a great team? Yes, I believe Maxi is going to be a star star. Yeah, you've always liked him since college. I've loved Maxi since college, and I will tell you it, one of the most shocking things for anybody out there is go look at last year's three-point percentage leaders in the NBA, and you're going to find him in the top five. You know, he's up there with Luke Kennard. He's up there with Desmond Bain. He's up there with Cam Johnson. He is not thought of like that. If I were going to say, hey, what do you think about Tyrese Maxey? What does he really need to improve on? I would imagine most people would say, you know, they, uh, they gotta be, he's got to be able to knock down jumpers. you got to be able to honor his shot. This guy was in the top five in the NBA in three-point shooting. Does he need to shoot it at a higher volume? Sure. But this guy can shoot. It's playmaking now. That's what he's yes. going to get better at at this point. And he yes. said this summer that him and Harden worked out a lot together. And, and I talked to those guys one-on-one. And, you know, some of that stuff will go in the story once that's out, you know, on the ringer. But I'm, I'm incredibly optimistic about the Sixers team. And I think you look at the addition of P.J. Tucker. Granted, he's in his late 30s. That dude can still play. We saw that in recent years with Milwaukee, with Miami. Tucker can still bring it on a championship uh, hopeful team. And this Sixers roster, on paper, I mean, you can look at some of the past teams Harden played for and Embiid played for. They played for some great teams. They did. But on paper, this team, to me, checks a lot of those championship boxes. They have the versatility in terms of how they can play different styles on the court. They can play heavy pick and roll. They can play with a little bit of movement with multiple ball handlers. They can play with your lone big inside like Joel Embiid. They can play more switchable because they have Tucker, Tobias Harris, Matisse Stiebel, uh, DeAnthony Melton, who you had last year in Memphis, a lot of versatility on defense. They check so many boxes, and then they have the star power with Embiid and Harden with two guys. If you're facing a switching defense, they can kill you inside or outside with the mismatch that they have. It's like, to me, it's just about what level does Harden return to? He was great as a playmaker last year despite his diminished scoring ability, the lack of bursts off the dribble. But if he can get some of that back, even if he's only 80, 85% of his prime self, never mind any more than that, to me, the Sixers have the clear upside to be the favorites in the Eastern Conference. Well, and the reason is they've got a guy who I can imagine was pretty upset about not winning the MVP last year. 
and he downplayed very, that yesterday. He, he was he like, oh, I don't care about individual look, awards anymore. I didn't work hard this summer. I just laid on the couch all. <laughs> I think when you're talking about like the All-NBA, when you're talking about All-NBA, when you're talking about MVP, when you're talking about this stuff that is still able to give a guy that's made $100 million a chip on their shoulder because they feel like they're not getting, you know, their just desserts. And he very well may be the best player in the NBA. It's possible. Like right now, Giannis has got that perch. And you're, you're, you know, when you're talking about the top four or five guys in the league, whether you want to talk about Giannis, whether you want to talk about Jokic, whether you want to talk about Bede, you want to talk about Doncic. If I told you that this season, this guy is going to be the best player in the NBA. And everyone will agree. That's the best player two-way player, dominant on the defensive end, dominant on the offensive end, peak of powers in his prime. It's not a stretch. No, not at all. He's the best player. If if Embiid is the best, he might have been the best player in the league last year. To me, I think there's... He might have been, you know? Is there eight guys that you could make the argument could be the best player in the league this year? Is it Giannis? No, there's not eight. No, no, but let, let me just list them out. Giannis, Steph, Jokic, Luka, LeBron, Katie, Kawhi, and Bede. Those eight. Could you argue that at the end of the year, people could say they're the best player in the league? Kawhi, not so much in the regular season as much as the playoffs. And I think that we're probably past the time with LeBron. So maybe it's more like I don't six. think he's going to be the best player. Is he still great? Yes. But are there going to be? He, he did average 30 points per game yesterday, last know. season. They also, average 30. They, also, they also didn't make the playoffs. And he played the five while AD was out. I got it. LeBron had a great year. It's everything else around him that wasn't so great. I understand. I, 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 I know LeBron is old. He's not going to be the best player in the league, Kevin. I'm sorry. Probably, probably not. But I'm just putting him in the, that lump of eight. Yeah. I'd keep I mean, him there. Probably four guys that are most likely. Most likely. Five, I agree. Know? Most likely. But but there's nobody else I'd I'd put in that group. Of yeah, and and I so mean, like, like I love Ja, I love Tatum, I love Zion, but I, they're not in that. No, you're group you're usually twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight. Yes, yeah. When this stuff happens for you, for sure, right? And he right to now, your point though, Embiid's one of them. To your point, in that perfect range, yes. and I do like the guys that they've added. They were able to augment that roster. Their bench was not good enough. Mm-hmm. And so now they're going deeper. And you know I love Melton. And they've got Melton. And they've got Dybul. They've got Daniel House. They've got Niang. They've got Montrez Harrell. Paul, Deep, Reed got, Paul Reed got minutes for them last year. Like, you, you've you got to just have enough no, Shake, Shake Milton was their guys. sixth man. That's right. Recently. He was their sixth man recently. And he's not even in the conversation for minutes right now. Yes. These are playable guys. Right? And... Guys that because you're 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 tightening a rotation once it gets to the playoffs anyway, but throughout and making sure everybody can stay healthy and getting your guys breathers so they ain't got to play 38 minutes every night, like that's where this depth can come in in a massive way because there's nothing more important than being available and healthy by the time you get to April, May, and June, and part of that is not having to run everybody into the ground. 
just to get the amount of wins that you need to get to be able to be a home court advantage team. But I think what we started off with when we were talking about you being in Philly yesterday is Philly doesn't have the drama this year, Kev. And I think it puts you at a super advantage to be in that mix, say, with Milwaukee. And Milwaukee's going to be going through having to get Chris Middleton back. But Milwaukee doesn't have any drama. They don't have anything surrounding them. And they're one of the other teams. Miami doesn't really have anything surrounding them because we've got two of those teams that we know are going to be possibly outstanding teams in the East, but have massive question marks about stuff coming in. And that is Brooklyn and that is Boston for two very different reasons. You've got who wants to be there in Brooklyn. How does it go when Steve Nash is the coach, KD wanted out, Kyrie Irving didn't do this, Ben Simmons says all the right things right now, but who knows? And so they're a big question mark. Yes, their ceiling is crazy. Their floor is also pretty low. You know, if it, if it blows up or unhappiness or discontent starts to seep its way in uh, onto that bench, into that locker room. And then you've got the total unknown of what's going on in Boston with what their situation is. Those poor guys have to go to a press conference yesterday, answer questions you know they absolutely do not want to be answering. It's right before the season starts that Ime Udoka is out as their coach. And now they have this coach who, yes, they're familiar with, but he wasn't supposed to be the head coach of the team. If we're being fair, probably wouldn't have been named the head coach if Ime Udoka had just decided I quit. They probably would have gone and hired another coach. They would have had a coaching search. They probably would. It wasn't the natural move over, but they're trying to hold it together right now. And Robert Williams is having the surgery and all that. So Gallo's out, too. Yeah, Gallo's out. You're bringing in Malcolm Brogdon, who doesn't have the most stellar reputation as a teammate. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I kind of feel like... When you say stellar reputation, you mean, uh, like, injury, durability. Yeah, injury, durability. And I'm not sure that... I, I never sensed that people cried when he moved to the next city. So I tell you. He's the president. I'm aware. I'm aware he's the president of the, uh, well, he's not the president, right, of the Players Association. That's uh, Uh, Chris Paul. That's a a throwback nickname from college. Oh, he's the president? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Virginia called him the president. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's now the president is there now. Boy, it's going to be tough for Grant Williams because I feel like Grant Williams is the president of the Boston Celtics. <laughs> he had to move over. <laughs> what's what's Grant going to say when the president starts talking? I guess he's going to have to be vice president or something. Yeah, anyway, maybe. they got drama now. Not of any of their own doing. Brooklyn has drama all of their own doing. Like literally the people within the locker room are the ones that have created all the drama. And you got that head coach thing. And so how much of an advantage do you think that gives the Phillies of the world who you were around coming into the season 
just because they're not dealing with anything except for figuring out how they all play basketball together. I mean, drama can always start. Yeah. It's I always guess. possible in middle of December, January, there's maybe there's a rift between Embiid and Harden. Who knows? I guess I guess what matters is what's your drama look like in April. Uh, like at this point, you know, drama could mean nothing. It could mean absolutely everything. I know Horford said, I believe it was today, Tuesday this morning, that he feels like they just picked right up where they left off in June. I yeah. mean, really? Like, did you? <laughs> did yeah. you really, Al? I don't know. That, that that seems like a bit much to me. But if that's the way he feels, the team seems to be rallying around their new coach. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this could be something for them that, you know, they use as a spark and it helps chemistry within that locker room. We just don't know how it's going to develop. All I know is that with some of these teams that do have this drama, to your point, when you look at the Phillies and especially Milwaukee getting Chris Middleton back and, you know, them retooling their roster a little bit, yeah, you got to feel a lot better about what those teams can be over the long haul of the season than what you can right now with a Boston or a Brooklyn, as you said. Yeah, and I just think it gives a couple of those teams a real advantage to just be able to come out and figure out basketball. And there is a, there's always a bit of exacerbation that takes place with these guys when they're getting questions all the time about stuff that is not. And even when you get the questions yesterday, all anybody wanted to talk about in Boston is what's going on and who's talked to Ime Udoka and what's go what do you feel about this? Same thing with Phoenix. Those poor guys, they're all asked about Robert Sarver and what do you think about the Sarver thing and what do you think when you read the report and everything. None of them were talking about basketball, right? None of them. Like these teams aren't talking about basketball. Well and now with Phoenix, I mean Obviously, the Sarver stuff is That's what I mean. somewhat met a little bit of a resolution, but now they're dealing with the Jay Crowder thing, too. Right. Which does affect their locker room directly at this particular moment. Of course it does. Jay Crowder goes from, you know, starting every game to being asked to come off the bench behind a superior talent in Cam Johnson, and he's crying about it, and he wants to go out. I mean, this self-proclaimed winner who, you know, wants to be like another P.J. Tucker, wins everywhere he goes... To me, this is a loser decision to leave a, a contending team in the Phoenix Suns. I, I find it absolutely insane that he's throwing this fit just because he's being asked to come off the bench and provide a spark, which is winning basketball. Yeah, I think it's because he's a contract here. That's when it becomes hey, right. You know, how, you know how you make your money and play into your late 30s like a P.J. Tucker type? You do everything that the contending teams are asking you to do, and, and including if that means coming off the bench behind a far more consistent shooting player in Cam Johnson, who's the better player and has surpassed you. So I get it to an extent, because you're right, it's a contract year. I'm not sure but, he is but, the better but, player. But, but, but Phoenix is going to pay you, man. They're going to pay you if you produce off the bench. Well, they, they have not... Hey, hey, if you want to talk about one organization that you can't trust to pay you, <laughs> yeah, Phoenix. <laughs> Especially with, with their weird Who's ownership. Who's going to pay me? Who's going to pay me? You could have given me an extension right now. I just helped you guys win 60-something games. I mean, I'll be honest with Jay Crowder. Uh, he's 32 years old right now. He's one of the streakiest shooters in all of basketball. I love Crowder. You ain't going to... There, there, no slander will be tolerated. A poor decision maker off the dribble. He's a solid player. He's a solid, tough, hard-nosed defensive player. But he's not... Who helped them became a, yes. become a winner. I agree. I agree. But like you can help the team also by coming off the bench. 
They won eight more games than everybody in the NBA. I know, but he might go from playing 28 minutes per game and starting to playing 25 minutes per game and coming off the bench. Like, I, I just don't see the difference. They won eight more games. If you're contributing to playing winning basketball, though, I think I think he's just slighted by being involved in trade discussions. Of course. Which we've talked about a bunch over the years. You understand, I understand. that you feel a, kind, a certain kind of way. I yes. you get it. You wouldn't like it either. You would. Nobody would. Nobody likes it if they do, if you don't feel like you're valued. Is this going to help you though? So I'm going to tell you. Is this right? going to help? It. I think it probably will. I think he'll end up in a better situation. And guess what? He's always on winning teams, and I think there's a correlation between those things. When you're the hardest worker in the room, that stuff matters a lot. And I think Phoenix is making a big mistake. Big mistake. By even, yes, you know, poking mistake. the bear, essentially, right? Yeah, big mistake. I don't think you move off of him. No. I think he could replace Jay Crowder. All right. We'll, we'll find out. We See will, they win. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they got their own drama. I mean, Aiton, you know, with the new contract, granted he says he's happy they matched it. I, I'm still... I'm still stuck on the fact that he said his NBA goal was to get his second contract. I want to see him produce at, an, at a high level on defense over the course of the season before I say the Suns are going to continue being a, you know, a top-tier contender in the West. I just want to see it. That's all. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. You have these different teams that are having to deal with the drama. I one let me just let me just say on the Suns real quick. The one thing that did really surprise me yesterday because I mentioned this to a buddy a couple of weeks ago that when Sarver when that came down that he was going to sell that team. When you and I we did speak about this on a show. I said reason that they need to do it this way is because what they're trying to do without getting all the other owners involved in this is to make it miserable to own the team and hope that he is defamed enough and just decides, I don't want to jump through every all of these hoops and do this and do that and do this and do that and get fined $10 million and then have to leave for a year and then come back. And that you just make it so miserable that he just leaves. And then you have all of these other players and you get this encouragement of, and then you feel like, well, what's the fun of owning an NBA team? Everybody hates my guts now, right? And then they get the desired outcome, which is, yeah, he's going to get his money, but he's out of the league and you ain't got to think about him, worry about him anymore, right? When all that's going down after the report came out and you saw all these players talking about it, and you says Curry talked to Adam Silver about it, Kyle Lowry said he talked to Silver about it. A lot of guys did. Um, I said, you never heard anybody like standing up for this guy. You're like never anybody, like of all the people, this guy's been in the NBA a long time. Who's out there saying, no, 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 no. 
Like, this can't all be true of this guy. I've been around this guy a long time. I know this guy. I've worked for this guy. That's not the guy I know. And it probably happened, and I just missed it. But it for sure happened yesterday. And I was stunned. Because I just didn't figure it. And you know who it was? Booker. Of all people, it was Devin Booker. And not that he stood up for it. Of course, he was mortified by it. Same thing with Monty Williams, mortified of it and what they had got heard from the report and everything else. But yesterday at Media Day, Devin Booker, of course, as one of the faces of the franchise, said, that's not the Robert Sarver that I know. That's not the Robert Sarver that welcomed me to Phoenix with open arms. But at the same time, I'm not insensitive to everyone who's involved in this situation. I understand that everyone's personal experience with other people are always going to be different. But it's tough to read because that's not the person I know. Like, he's like the only guy that I, again, I might have missed it. Steve Kerr sense. had some, like, that's not the guy that I know. Oh, really? Well, Steve yeah. Kerr had some, yeah. there's the guy that I know, that's not the guy I know? Yeah. Because you would figure, look, no person is all good or all bad, right? So inevitably, especially within that many years, there's going to be people that like the guy, that had good experiences with the guy, and that's what you hope. You hope that you've had enough good experience with people that when you do something dastardly, that somebody will stand up for you and say, hold on now, that ain't it. And I felt like there was nobody kind of out there saying, that's not the guy I know. You know, anytime a coach gets in trouble or whatever else, there'll be the former players that come out and they say, I loved him and he he helped me more than anyone. He was the father uh, figure for me and this and this and this and, you know, there's nobody really standing up, I didn't feel like, for Robert Sarver. So it was interesting to see at least some people just saying, hey, this guy wasn't a dirtbag to everybody. He was good to me, you know. He did dirtbag stuff. There's no way around it. It sucks for me to read that, but I didn't know that guy. My experience with that guy was was different than because it did feel pretty overwhelming that, I mean, over the years, several, more than several hundreds of people had an experience that thought, like, this guy's a dickhead. You know, at least, at least he was nice to Devin Booker, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, there's the only guy I've seen standing up for him. Yeah. I mean, between, between, really standing the, up. between the Sarver and Udoka stuff, you know, the last couple of weeks, I felt like a, a step back for woman in sports. And now with Phoenix, yep. you know, Sarver still needs to sell the team. I mean, he oh, says yeah. he he says he intends to sell, but he still needs to sell. Yes, it hasn't happened yet. Until it does, he you know remains the the owner of the Suns. He will sell the team, and then I think I think offers will come in hot. You do. I mean, based off everything I've heard, based off what others have reported as well, including you know the big boss Bill Simmons, sounds like there's going to be a lot of interest in Phoenix. But it's just a matter of will they reach the price Sarver actually wants to sell at. I think there's enough people out there right now with enough, but uh, there's enough people that want teams or that can form ownership groups that he'll get the price that he wants. Shelburne from ESPN reported Jeff Bezos, Bob Iger, Larry Ellison. Think them guys La- got La- money? La- Laureen Jobs. 
You think those guys could rally some money together? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, look at those names. Bezos, Be- that's ashtray money to Bezos. Yeah, I know. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> that, that Thursday night football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see the the Thursday? There was a the Ringer podcast that we had about Thursday night football. The ratings are high on that for the oh, like, yeah. Amazon streams. That's intriguing because yes. the NBA has been you know you know flirting with Amazon for a long time now with potential partnerships there. They have the WNBA games there as an experimentation for the NBA, um, which could, you know, eventually maybe host the play, the uh, in-season games there at Amazon. So we'll see. We'll see. But like this has to be encouraging for other leagues when it comes to streaming, that the NFL is still booming on a streaming platform. Well, and the other thing that was encouraging, and we do tie this into the NBA, is, and I don't know what the impact would be if the NBA did it, but they. I read an article the other day saying that they have they got more new subscribers in that three hour window than anything that they've ever done. Amazon. Prime Day, wow, all the other stuff. wow, yeah. really? that's crazy. Yeah, that's because people were going, "Where's the damn football game?" Yeah, and right. then I'm like, "All right." I guess I'll get Amazon. Oh, yeah. and I get and I get free two day delivery. Yeah, I've always I've always <laughs> oh, kind of this is great. I've that always thought amazing. about doing. I've always yeah. thought about doing this anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I want to watch the what was it? Chargers Chiefs. I think it was Chargers Chiefs. Yeah. Amazon Prime, no lie, is really good. It's a of course it's it great, is. It's really amazing. Oh, you remember the goodness. days when it used to take two weeks for stuff to ship? You'd order, oh. you know. Yes. Well, we're kind of back to them right about now. <laughs> We're getting close. We're getting close to that again. There's Why? A, How come? It's just been been tough on the postal, uh, all postage. Well, Amazon's got their own. They're doing a little better, trucks. but they're still. It's is not it always in Memphis. Is, is this it's not always than, two days. Is what I'll tell you. Really? It used to always be two days. So, this must be a Tennessee problem. No, it's everywhere. Not here in L.A. or Ma- back in Massachusetts either. You don't have the abundance of orders that we do. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you there is a box at my house every day. We had a, I mean, I guess in both places I've lived, there's an Amazon factory nearby. So that I might have to do with the consistency and, and reliability and delivery time. Okay. How you and I are going to be doing our predictions in the upcoming weeks. How does the drama affect what you think about those Three teams, I'll say specifically: Brooklyn, Boston, Phoenix. Do you look at the off-court stuff that those teams have gone through, and automatically bake that in and say, "All right, because of this drama, I do not give them whatever I thought they were going to be able to win this year. I've got to couch it a little because I don't really know." And in Boston's case, injuries too, right? Obviously, because yes, the Gallo exactly, thing yep. and the Robert Williams thing. Just so like with Crowder, with the potential trade chemistry stuff for you know, right. them because of Jay. And you're like, figuring Jay, out- Crowder, Crowder is a key voice, right? Like regardless of how I feel about him, now you feel about him, we, there's no denying that he is a key cog in that line. And line. every teammate always loves the guy. Except for LeBron. It's the only one. <laughs> but- Every teammate always ends up swearing by him. He's got friends all over the league for good reason. Um, and you don't know if you don't know if Marcus Smart's going to be pissed about the Brogdon stuff. The, to answer your question, yes. Um, who should trade for Jay Crowder? I mean, Jay Crowder, in my opinion, is one of those players that could fit on any team in the NBA. 
Literally any team. Heat, Celtics, Mavericks, Grizzlies were the teams that Shams Sharania said yesterday are expected to pursue Jay Crowder. I mean, I, I, I had him in Memphis. I, Fits I, on I, any of them. Me, yeah. You heard me talk a million times about how profound an impact he had on a young team. What, do you, what would you give up for him? The ideal veteran. The Suns want a forward. They want like somebody to replace Jay Crowder. So who are you giving up? I mean, obviously, you've got a bunch of draft picks. They don't want picks. They want a player. All right. Well, then you've got to give me Crowder and something else for Brooks. Hmm. Yeah, you'd love to get rid of Dylan Brooks. I mean. <laughs> Dude thinks he's Kobe. I mean, <laughs> it's just the play. I don't want to talk about the playoffs. I don't want to talk about the playoffs. You ever, he, look, uh, I, I like him. I like yeah. the guy. He, he's a good guy, but. It's about a fit. It's about fit. It's about fit. Yeah. And are you ever going to, you know. Here's Chris Vernon running Dylan Brooks out of town. Bro, you can't shoot 35% for the playoffs and take the most shots. <laughs> That's absurd. You can't. That can't happen. You can't. Stay in your lane. It can't happen. You can't take more shots than Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain averaged 25 points a game against Minnesota in the playoffs. 25 points a game. Desmond Bain is one of the most underrated players in all of basketball. 25 points a game. Dylan Brooks took more shots. It's absurd. I mean, I can't have it. I can't have it. So, I mean, I'm fine. And look, you either got to make more shots or take less shots. <laughs> One of the two. That's the thing with the Crowder thing. You can say whatever you want about Crowder. Crowder takes eight shots. So what? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's eight shots. And he's going to play He's going to play defense, box out, rebound, hustle, be the first at practice, be the last to leave. And then motivate everybody all the time. Like that matters. That matters. Yeah, you're right. You're right about Crowder. I mean, I, I'm, I'm being a Crowder hater. All these I'm, teams I'm, want him. Because I'm stuck on the inconsistent shooting. It bothers me. You gotta, gotta get him Crowder. Want him. Also, into his 30s, he added a little floater in the paint. He's improved his game. He's not, you know, trying to do too much off the dribble. He knows who he is, he knows his role. Won't unlike back Dylan down. Brooks. Yeah, he doesn't back down. I mean, I respect him, I have the utmost respect for Jay Crowder with what he is as a player. And Desmond Bain, I mean, hopefully, if you do unload Dylan Brooks, he's able to elevate and get more touches, more shot opportunities, because that dude's a bucket, yo. Like, Bain can shoot it off the catch, off the bounce. He can get into the lane. He can playmake for you. Desmond Bain, if he's able to take a leap, I think Memphis will with him as well. Like Memphis is one of those teams you can see them being the one seed, you can see them being the seventh seed because the West is is so flat. Like it's hard to predict. It could be the difference of just a couple games, injuries, two weeks there, yes for this guy, whatever. Like it's very close. But Bain Bain is the guy that can elevate the Memphis Grizzlies. Look, I think the I think the Phoenix thing does hurt. I, I think they, they they it does hurt to lose to, to lose Crowder. Okay. I do. I don't think that the drama I don't think the Sarver thing necessarily affects things. Um, it might affect things just in terms of, you know, the kind of moves you can make because there's just so much instability in terms of the ownership and who is making the calls because some of these trades or transactions are going to affect things going forward, right? Um, but theirs is a little less profound. It's more basketball-related to me 
anything that would bother them. And they've gotten really pretty great health out of, you know, Chris Paul has been now, he's going into what, year 18? And you're, and they've gotten pretty good health out of that for sure. And, you know, the Aiton thing, we'll see. He got his money, but I can't imagine, you know, he's the happiest guy in the world. Um, being, you know, having to go out and get an offer from Indiana before he did get paid where he did. And so, but Phoenix, they won eight more games than everybody. So we know what they are. Um, I really don't know on Brooklyn though, Kev. And that's the one we haven't gotten into as much. Did you, did you listen to Ben? Uh, did you listen to the Simmons interview with JJ? Portions. I listened to it. I was disappointed JJ didn't ask him about shooting with the wrong hand, but that's just me being selfish. I know that's you being selfish. <laughs> I don't understand why Ben Simmons just hasn't talked at all. It's not like he is some, some guy that can't eloquently get across his point or his feelings. Um, I know that he expressed that he'd been going through a bunch of stuff, but I, but I do kind of feel like it might have been better for him to talk. Look, there's no question in terms of how much he got destroyed in the media over the course of the past 18 months, it would have been better for him to talk than to just sit there and take it. And anything that anybody said, take it. Because it obviously bothered him. I, 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 I don't really understand it because it wasn't like, to me, Ben Simmons came off as a guy that sometimes there are guys that just say, I'm confident in who I am. I don't give a crap what people are saying. Okay? And then there's the guys that fire back and say, hold on now. You're not going to get to say this about me without me fighting back. Okay? And that's like, say, like what Durant does, right? Anytime Durant sees any kind of thing about Kevin Durant, he'll He'll, he'll jump straight on Twitter and call you out directly <laughs> for the world to see, right? He was this weird medium of a guy that expressed that, yes, he internalizes it. He does know what everybody's saying. And it did bother him to the point where he said, I'd type out tweets and then not press send. Or I DM Shaq. Or I almost reached out to Rick Buecher. Or I, so he has the, he knows all of it. And he knows what everybody says. And yet just, to, just kept silent about everything for basically 18 months. I mean, that's the first time anybody's even heard him talk, really, for the most part, for like 18 months. And I found the whole thing, that was the one part that was a little odd to me because I was very respectful of him talking about his mental health stuff. I was very respectful about him talking about the back injury. And some of the injury stuff seemed very, very real. More, But these are all things that he could have just explained to everybody. Like, yo, stop saying I don't want to go to work. Stop saying that I'm, I'm not hurt. Like, I am hurt. Stop saying I left a group text. This is stupid. Leave a group down. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, stop saying that um this and that and this and stand up for himself because he clearly is a guy that, when given the opportunity, did stand up for himself. And yet, just 
I, I don't know, man. It's fascinating. You know, when it was couched, my buddy Tommy Alter is on the podcast and Tommy and, and I think JJ are both like in awe that the guy can take all these arrows and not, you know, the, like the discipline to not fight back. But it's usually easy not to fight back if you really don't let the stuff bother you. But he was clearly bothered by this stuff. And I left the interview not knowing what to think about him. I'm being serious. He, he comes off decently likable. He's obviously got a lot of confidence. But on the other hand, like, I don't know if the stuff that I, you know, read about him, about him not wanting to play in this and not really wanting to play in that Atlanta thing and, all that stuff and his resistance to fighting back to kind of what happened to him and what people said about him. Bro, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, he was defensive about certain stuff. No question. Um, you know, understandably so when you feel like you're getting attacked all the time. I guess that's only human nature to to put up some walls and, you know, play defense and be, be more guarded. Um, you know, I know he mentioned how he felt like he'd post a picture of his dog or a car or whatever and people would be saying you gotta be in the gym <laughs> right <laughs> or like he'd stream people would say he's playing video games too much all that type of stuff as if he can't do anything else but you know consume basketball think basketball eat basketball i get it i mean i, I just i hope for him it seems like he's in a better place right now seems like it yeah um you, you'd you'd hope for him in this situation with brooklyn and all their drama that this is a healthy environment for him i mean to, to me chris when it comes to ben simmons here it's about actions not words more than anything else i want to see how he performs on the court how he interacts with his teammates what roles and what responsibilities he's willing to take on how does this all impact the way he performs on defense after playing at such a high level it's like the actions that i'm going to be looking for more than anything else from ben simmons more so than the the words that he said in the, that podcast. But everything that he said seems to at least be encouraging with where he is now and and what it means for the rest of his entire career. It's um it's it's one of the things that he said in that podcast. I, I believe I'm I'm paraphrasing him correctly, but he was like offended by how the team tried to get him to come back to Philadelphia when he was in LA all summer and he's like, well nobody Nobody tried to get me all summer long. Nobody yeah, nobody talked to, to me. Yeah, nobody talked to me and all that. I mean, little little things like that. I hear, I hear that, and I'm like, huh. and it's it's not unusual for teams to kind of break off during the off seasons, especially with the way things ended. Um, I mean, that was really Simmons driven at the time, with him being extremely offended by Embiid or about Doc Rivers rightfully saying that he doesn't know if Ben Simmons can be a championship point guard. Embiid rightfully saying, you know, nah, about the play. I'm good. This is where we're breaking ways. That's not right. You, th you think you don't he was do that. throwing you him under the bus? You don't do that. You don't do that. Yeah, but Doc, Doc, that Doc comments, you have a problem with that? Yes. You don't do that. You don't do it. You shouldn't have done that. That wasn't the right thing to do. It wasn't. You don't do that to your employees. And you know, a, a teammate. I get it, you're the coach. You had one shit since KG played for you. So, I mean, like, calm down here. He got to throw down. Yeah. Who do you throw on? Mr. Blown 3-1 leads, right? Yeah. 
That's I bet you saying. wouldn't. I, I, hey, look, I bet I, I bet you wouldn't be saying that if you'd have thrown James Harden under the bus like that last year. Somebody would have come in and said, "Can you win with James Harden?" And he said, "I don't know. Ain't nobody else done it. I guess if I'm a miracle worker, I can." <laughs> I mean, you'd be like, "Why is Doc saying?" So no, I'm not gonna let that one slide. Doc, Doc should not have done that. He should not have done that. The context of that wasn't like he was criticizing. He was just saying, I, I don't know the answer to that. Like, we got to prove it. We got to build. You know what You know what the proper response would have been? If I was Ben Simmons and I would have said that, I'd have gone straight on TV and I'd have said, I don't know, Brett Brown's ass could if it, Kawhi didn't hit a 50-50 bouncer <laughs> against us. We might have won it last year, so tell me if I'm good enough. Guy had one of the craziest shots in NBA history and knocked us out. Was I good enough then or no? Stop it already. That's not fair. I understand, Chris. You're right. But also in the heat of the moment, considering he scores zero points in the fourth quarter, all series long, the big moment at the end of the game, passing on the open dunk, in the heat of the moment after losing a game seven, I think on the other side of it, if you're Ben Simmons, you need to forgive too in that moment. Like, hey, I, I know you're heated. Like, people say stuff. I felt a certain way in that moment, too. It's only natural. I, I, I feel like stuff like that, there's clearly still beef between Simmons and Embiid, Simmons and Doc, Simmons and all of Philadelphia. Everybody yeah, knows there. <laughs> what about him saying my brother still lives there and I love Philadelphia? I was like, what the yeah. hell? I can't imagine you're comfortable walking around. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I wouldn't want to walk around there if I was Ben Simmons. You know what I mean? People like that, the, you know, people are like burning the jersey and all that crap, wiping their ass with it. I don't want any part of that. I just, I, I just moved to Brooklyn and start my new life. I am just, I am perplexed. I hear him talking. I hear Kyrie talking yesterday. Kyrie was on one too, boy. He showed up ready to talk. A voice for the voiceless. And then I hear KD talking, <laughs> and I'm like, this locker room, I mean, <laughs> if you're like Cam Thomas, you just got to be like sitting back like, dude, this is great. Well, remember Cam Thomas during Summer League was asked about the Steve Nash role, like wanting him to be more of a playmaker. And, he and he's his rolling eyes. his I'm eyes. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> and you got Nash uh, trying to run the show, and Kevin tried to get him fired? Morris had a funny quote. Markeith Morris had a quote like, I've, I've almost broken up with my wife a couple times and we're still together. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. 
So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Here's my big question out of yesterday, because you might've noticed uh, Pat Beverly and Russell Westbrook are best friends. Did you know this? They're mm. best friends. Pat Beverly, my best friend. Yeah, yeah that's something my else. My best huh? friend. So you singing Queen. We're going to do a cover song. There you here go. You this? like that? Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. Who has the higher ceiling? Who has the lower floor? Brooklyn and the Lakers. The Nets have a higher ceiling. You think so? Yeah. You think they're apex? They have more collective talents, including, you know, behind their stars. Still kind of an odd deal where, like, there is still that you've got the discontent, the malcontent, right? You got that. You've got the vet thing and how, how injured or uninjured, but you're still awesome. And then you've got the, can I count on you at all? It is kind of, they do kind of mirror each other in a couple of different ways, right? And yet, you think that the higher ceiling is Brooklyn? Like, if it, if it all worked, you think Brooklyn? Yeah, the, the Lakers have no wings with size. That's a major detriment for that Lakers roster. Like, say what you want about Russell Westbrook. Say what you want about AD, you know, you know, staying healthy. All of the comments he made as well. I'm not putting extra pressure on myself. I don't need to be a Greek god. I don't mean Giannis. <laughs> Did you see that comment that he made? That's great. So silly. But they just don't have wings with size. They, they have Patrick Beverly, Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown. They, they don't have wings with size. That's going to be a major issue for that roster. Okay, so you would think it's more crazy to say the Lakers can win 55 games than someone to say the Nets can win 55 games. Yes, I would. Hmm. I mean, the, Net, the Nets have Ben Simmons, who's one of the best wing defenders in all of basketball. Uh, Kevin Durant can be good on that end. Royce O'Neal, for the first time in his career, is not going to have to be the best wing defender on his team. Markeith Morris is a solid player. He can play some small five for you. Steve Nash you know, had said he expects them to play that for them. So they're going to play some small ball this year, probably a lot of small ball this year, with Nick Claxton starting for them. They have lineup versatility. They have switchable players. They can play different combinations of guys. The Lakers just had lack. They lack wing depth. Simple. They as have that Russell Westbrook, though. Best friends with Patrick Beverly. You buy that? I don't know. Woj had the story with the Russ quotes last week, saying he's all in, no matter what the team asks of him. But he's coming off the bench, right? He's coming off the bench. They said, "There's no plans." Is this not is this the, the year we see Russ evolve? Are we going to see it? What do you think? Everything Darvin Ham said. Earlier this year, in multiple interviews, Dan Patrick show, you know, yep. newspaper interviews, all that, has pretty much aligned with what I've been harping about for years. I've been beating, beating a dead horse saying Russell Westbrook needs to change even before it was kind of a cool thing to say. Well, I think the bench thing would be not changing. I think you just decide, okay. He, he runs the, the show. Bench. Go. Like you, you flip him and LeBron. Like you, yeah. you kind of you yes. have LeBron yes. off the floor. But what about when they share the floor? Is Russ going to be down there in the dunker spot? You know, is he going to be setting screens? That's what Darvin Ham said he wants to do. Yeah. Screening, cutting, being more of a, a, you know, Swiss Army knife on offense. Hustling that stuff on defense. lasts one game. You know, that, the, Frank Vogel said that too. 
And you remember he set some screens. Vogel, Vogel never said it outright like him. Yeah, but he did it for like one game. You remember that? There was like that one game. Against Memphis. Yeah, he did it. in the year. One game. Yeah, he set screens for LeBron James and it worked fairly well. But not, and then he didn't. Know. And then he didn't set one for like the next three months. Yes. Yeah. yeah I've, I've, I wrote about that during the season, and yeah. and I think with Russell Westbrook, the signs are there. It's not like in Oklahoma City when he was playing with Harden and Kevin Ernie, he wasn't a good cutter. Westbrook could cut to the basket. He can be an active athletic cutter, but will he commit? I, I to me, I think if it if it if it doesn't happen now. I mean, shame on, like, it's just sad, really, more than anything else. You have LeBron James and Anthony Davis as your teammates, and you're not doing oh, some and of the, you the, got, the little and things. And you got Lonnie Walker and Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, yeah. Kendrick Nunn, Austin Reeves, Juan Toscano Anderson. You think he's going to be excited about playing behind Dennis Schroeder or Patrick Beverly? Oh, my God. He's like a 10-time All-Star. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's not easy. Yeah, it's not. You're right. I hope, he, I hope he does like my my guy AI. My guy AI came to Memphis. He's playing behind Mike Conley. And then, you know, I never saw him play in Memphis. I never saw him play a game. They started the year on a road trip. And by the time, by the time he came back to Memphis, he was already not on the team. He had already he gone play, back. Like, three, three, four, five games, something yeah. like that with Memphis? He went oh, back wow. home, yes. And because they were on the road, they went in the locker room, and they said to him, uh, they said to him, you know, are you, you know, do you feel healthy? Because he had gotten a little banged up in training camp and preseason. They're like, do you feel healthy? You know, in terms of not, you know, uh, you know, getting out there and playing, and you know, what's your status? What's your status? Whatever. Because Mike Conley was starting right, and and Iverson told him he said. He said, my butt hurts from sitting on the bench. <laughs> so he said, my butt hurts from sitting on the bench. That was his injury. So good. I need Westbrook to do that. My butt hurts from sitting on the bench. AI the GOAT. That's but so he was funny. the guy, Allen was never gonna, he was never gonna be able to do that. Yeah. Some guys can never do it. You know what I mean? reinvent themselves. That's why we laud and magnify the the Grant Tills, the Vince Carter. There's been a million of them. Yeah. That have like been at the top, been one of the best players in the league, and then have truly been able to reinvent themselves as a role playing contributor. It that's it's not easy. But there have been there have been guys that have pulled it off for sure. Uh not sure if Westbrook's Never going to be that guy. Or if it's that time. Maybe it is that time. Maybe it's not. I don't know. He's a, he's a, we all knew it was a terrible fit there when it happened. Everybody knew that. It's like literally the worst kind of guy you can have with LeBron James. All you have to do, it's not that hard. If you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, find friggin' five guys that can shoot the ball and can play defense. They won a damn title doing it. Those guys weren't even good. Freaking Rondo was like their best player for two games when they won the thing. Caruso was playing big minutes and super important. Caldwell Pope knocking down shots. Danny Green on and on. Like he said, this wasn't even it wasn't even that good a team outside of those two. wasn't like they were loaded, and yet you go and get Russell Westbrook. And so I think it's now just 
Everybody say the right things. Be a good soldier. Hopefully we can trade you. We're willing to put the draft picks in the trade to do it. Right? I think that's how this goes. So he may be, if he just has to be cool for a month, he might. You know? He might. It's possible. Hmm. And maybe Darvin Ham and Pat Bev can help the situation. Right? Probably yeah. less likely to back down. Russ just needs to find a new best version of himself. Yeah. Maybe, as that. And maybe you, he you, finds you, you, it you run, his best you, friend, Patrick Beverly. You run the show. You run the show when LeBron James isn't on the floor. When LeBron is on the floor, you play like hell on defense. Active off ball. Like, it, like just simple as that. It's not hard. He, he's done it before. He just needs to do more of it and less of what he's not good at. It's really not that difficult. I, I don't think his evolution is as jarring as, as it's made out to be. You know, one of the other things, and this is what we'll close on, about Media Day is when you see the recaps and you see like the different videos hitting Twitter and whatnot and the pictures, that's sometimes where all we talk so many times like it's fantasy world and then when you see the pictures of stuff, it becomes reality. And I got to be honest with you, Kev. When I saw that Zion? Donovan Mitchell. Oh, I thought it was a Zion. No, the okay. Donovan Mitchell in the 45 Cavs jersey. That felt weird. It did. It felt weird. Yeah. And the Zion. Just Zion him. looking slim. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Zion looked good. Zion coming back. He did look good. I hope that's me in a year. You know, because Zion last year at Media Day Career to You want to be as year. big as Zion no, in no, a no, year? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, you gotta slim, gain weight. The, the, the slimming down. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I think you can gain weight to be Zion. I'm at my heaviest I've ever been right now. No, you're not. <laughs> yes, I am. That's true. I am right now. Heaviest I've ever been right now. You feel you feel yeah. tough. No. You feel like you can body slam somebody. No. No. <laughs> feel like I want to. Feel like I want to eat. You say you want to look like Zion <laughs> in a year. I want to eat. I want to eat. <laughs> Do <laughs> you feel like you can body slam someone? No, I feel like I want to eat. <laughs> Kevin O'Connor, 2022. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no, next year I'll be in the best shape of my life on me today. It's true. All right. I got a Peloton. It's pretty cool. It's pretty good, Chris. I like it a lot. Two things. You did get a Peloton? Yeah, I did. Yeah. You in those I, it, classes where people are yelling at you and shit? It was highly recommended by a fair amount of friends that said it's worth the investment. It's something you like doing, and I've loved doing it since I got it about a month ago. How many times have you done in a month? Don't lie to me. I, I, I can pull out the stats if I... How many times? Take a rough estimate. How many times you ridden that thing in a month? I mean, I've been on the road a lot, so it doesn't really count. The the better the better ask will be asking me in a month how many times have I written it. Are you committed to doing it? How many times a week yeah. you got to do it? I mean, I want to do it every single day. Every day? Yeah, I want to do it every day. Yeah. They yell at you on that screen, right? I see people doing it. Yeah, I like it. They're like, "Come on, come on!" Yeah, you're like listening yeah. to EDM. Yeah. Go, go to the beat. It. Yeah, and you're pumping <laughs> your legs along. Yeah, it's nice. They're I like, like "Let's it. go, fatty, get your knees up." <laughs> 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 I've not I've not heard anybody do that yet. Oh, they haven't? I haven't heard anybody call, I'd be a call, terrible call, call, me, call me a fatty. I haven't heard I'd that. I'd be a terrible <laughs> Peloton instructor. Look at you, you lump of goo. Move! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah, they, they should they hire get, me. Yeah, they, they get some... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you're, this is your tryout right now. Who knows? Somebody from somebody who has hi- hiring power with Peloton could be listening to the show. You never know. Yeah, you never know. No, there's been some good instructors. Dennis Morton, Allie Love. Uh, they got some good ones on there. All right. Look at him. Look at, look at Kevin O'Peloton. Yeah. Kevin O'Cyclist. One year from now, I'll be in the best shape of my life. That's a guarantee. Did you buy some yeah. of the nut huggers you got to wear for it? What? What are those? You know, the, the biker shorts? You got some of those? I have like workout shorts. And the weird little shoes? Oh, the, the shoes that connect to the bike? Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I have those, yeah. Let's they, go. They, they clip on and off. Yeah, Let's those go. are cool. I like them. Little clip <laughs> shoes. Yeah. You got your biker shorts? <laughs> I don't know if I have biker. I have workout shorts. I've had those for oh. years. I thought you had to wear the biker shorts, right? A little, little, little tight fitting right now. So you don't get the chafing. <laughs> no, I don't. No, no chafing. No. <laughs> you never, you, you like cycling at all, Chris? You like riding bikes? Nah. No, not a bike rider? Do you yeah, work out? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the bike riding. Do you work out? Yeah, I like I swim. You swim? Oh. I like swimming. That's the one thing I love. Like that's really? the one cardio I love doing. Hmm. And I walk and run. And I do that with my son though because I like, I'm not a runner. I like walking. I don't. Like I'm not, I, we we run mailboxes. You know what I mean? What's that mean? Run mailboxes? Like we we walk through the neighborhood and we walk a mailbox, run a mailbox, walk a mailbox, run a mailbox. Oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. Try to get him in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Try to get him in really good shape because everything is short bursts. And so, mm. you know. So you so kind of like hit workouts, the high yeah, intensity yeah, yeah, workouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, like, I like those. I like doing that. Yeah. You know, like stuff that gets minutes. my heart rate. That doesn't take a lot of time. No. That's I like thing. getting it's my heart a, rate way It's a time up. thing. We're busy people, Chris. I'm we bored. Get quick, quick workouts in a short yeah. amount of time. That's right. Yeah. Mostly it's an eating thing. No oh, and I, night, and I, think, I, think the, I think the bike thing, I think I was damaged. I went to, back back when I was younger, that was when the spin rage was going on, you know, like the dark rooms and the whatever. But all like I was in my twenties, all these hot chicks were doing spin class all the time. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna go to one of these spin classes. <laughs> and I got in there and like there's probably like two dudes in there, and then me and like all these girls, and they like turn the lights down, you know, and they got that like you know, like that kind of music playing, whatever. And I and I look over, I mean, these people, they're pedaling like a thousand like miles an hour. Like they're just and they're like standing up and moving back and forth and whatnot and whatever. And I mean, my quads were on fire after like two minutes. And they're just, I'm looking next to me and they're like, they're just their legs are going a million miles an hour. And I was like, yeah, this ain't for me. That was your this last is, time there, nah, despite humi- all the hot this chicks. Is, this is humiliating. You get it? You get any numbers that day, Chris? No, no. no. You didn't even. You didn't even. No. You didn't even make it to the end. No, they said you lump of crap. Get out of here. What are you even doing in this? <laughs> get class? out of here, fatty. Yeah, you're just here to see chicks. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> they were on to me, Kevin. They were on to me. When they realized I couldn't even ride a bike for four minutes and I'm in a 50-minute class. I'm just sitting there. Hey, I'm just sitting there on the bike watching everybody else. What a perv. Every, every once in a while, pedaling a couple times. Go pitch a tent somewhere else, Verno. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was my last class. All right. Enough of that. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kevin, I'll talk to you later this week. Have a good one. (laughs) 